We start with street kids and then we meet children being trafficked within Vietnam for labor exploitation. And then along the way, we came across a single case of a girl trafficked from Vietnam to China. And we went to look for her because we had, we had a couple of vague clues about where in China she was, but not enough evidence, you know, to, to really get a, a police investigation happening. Um, and we found her and rescued her. And, and ever since then, we've been rescuing girls in China and more recently, Myanmar as well. Um, now these are, these are girls who, girls and women who, who go to China thinking that they're going with a friend or that they're going for a job and, and discovering that they're deceived. You know, they're not women who go to become uh, sex workers and then change their mind. They're, they're people who are tricked and they're sold either into brothels or as, as brides. So sold to a man basically against their will. Uh, because that man wants wants a child, and and so that's the main issue, um, the main human trafficking issue that we're working on. And, and we actually we believe that there might be a day when we can say that that trafficking doesn't happen anymore. That's what we're actually working towards. Could you maybe you know walk us through how does a rescuing intervention look like? Like how long it is? When does it start? And throughout the process? Sure, sure. Uh, I guess that's the question everybody asks. And to be honest... Sorry for my non-originality. No, no, not at all. No, uh, in fact, what I mean is that it, it really is a question to, uh, you know, when, when I say, I kind of say a little bit uh, offhandedly, you know, we rescue them and, and, and that raises a lot of questions. Hang on, how do you do that? Uh, so uh, I can't share all of the details, but I can share uh, in general. And, and I do want to say that, that our, the rescues that we do are in response to calls for help. So, so we're rescuing people who, who have been trafficked and who have made contact with their family or, or their family has realized that they were trafficked and, and contacted us saying, please help. Um, and, and the reason I say that is that there are, there are also organizations that will rescue anyone who is in a brothel, for example, whether or not that person is saying, I want to be rescued. And, and we don't do that. We rescue people who are saying, I want to be rescued. Um, so normally a call comes, uh, someone has been trafficked or if we're lucky is still being trafficked and hasn't crossed that border yet. Uh, hasn't been harmed yet. Um, we gather the evidence that we have to work out where they where they are. We have people who who will then go to to their location. If we can call on the police to to intervene, then then we certainly do. Uh, but if if we can't, or if there's just not enough time, we set up an escape. So so we don't go kicking down doors and and um, you know, busting in and, you know, it's not, we don't have guns, nothing like this. We, when, when everything goes well, the rescue will, will conclude with, um, us having a car and being kind of, you know, parked outside the house or the building where this woman is kept, communicating with her saying, when you have a chance, run and we're, we're outside and, and she'll run and jump in the car and we'll take off. 
So it's about setting up an escape. And sometimes it might be uh, because even trafficked women may have some degree of freedom. Um, I mean, especially if they've been trafficked for some months or years, they'll, they'll, they'll need to go to the market or e- even if they're being held in a, in a brothel, they need to go and get their nails done or get their hair done. So there are these moments of vulnerabilities that we exploit where right now no one's watching. Okay, now we go. We've done rescues where we've been able to find that person and bring them home on the same day that we got the call. And there are rescues that have taken a year, depending on how complex it is to find them. Very often, you know, when when a Vietnamese person is in China against their will, they don't know where they are. Uh, they can't read the street signs, right? They, uh, they they might even be deliberately confused. That first rescue that we did, which is back in 2007, there was a whole brothel full of girls. So actually, we ended up rescuing uh, six or seven from that from that brothel. They they could have walked back to Vietnam, but they didn't know. So when they had been taken across the border. They were, they were put in a car and just driven around and around and around and eventually taken back to this brothel. Now, they thought they were deep inside China and they were barely across the border. So when they call for help, we wish that they can tell us their address, right? Very, very rarely can they do that. So, so a lot of investigation might have to take place if, if that's the situation. Do you risk anything as an organization or individual when doing these rescue missions? Yeah, and and I and I like to start answering that question by really emphasizing that that we do it as safely as we can. We're not trying to play hero. We're we're not trying to trying to be big men going in and saving the day. It's it's not like that. We like I said earlier, we're here for the long term. We want to keep rescuing for as long as we need to. And, and so every rescue has to be done with everyone's safety in mind. Uh, we've rescued more than a thousand people, by the way, from uh, both within Vietnam and, and in China and also in Myanmar and a couple from some other countries as well. And, and, and you know, things do sometimes go a little bit sideways, a little bit pear-shaped, but we, we can always get out of it. And, and, and we... We work as closely as we can with authorities so that, you know, we don't want to do anything illegal. That's also very important. But at the end of the day, for all of that, yeah, um, there, there are people who certainly don't like blue drag because of, because of this work. Sometimes they're dangerous people. Um, now in that regard, it, that's one reason that, that it's very important that we collaborate with, uh, with police and with government authorities. And don't try to go solo. Don't try to be the big hero. Um, you know, the, the long-term solution to human trafficking is not in one NGO doing some brave deed. It's, it's all about collaboration. Multiple organizations working with the government, working with the community together as a force for good together. Uh, and that will get us to the end. And, and so, yes, certainly parts of what we do, uh, are risky to us. Um, we understand that. We consider that it's far more dangerous to not act. You know, when if someone was to call for help, they're in trouble. 
it, to not get them out is leaving their life in danger. So, so we see that what we do is necessary, uh, and and we do all we can to make sure that the next operation will also take place. It's very interesting when you say, yes, I mean, of course, you don't do anything illegal. Actually, it's the traffickers who are doing something illegal. So it's yeah, trying to reestablish uh, the legal. I mean. Well, it doesn't mean anything what I just said, but yeah, it's the traffickers who's doing something illegal and then you're just, you know, trying to rescue these people. Uh, no, thanks so much for sharing. It's so, just open another door of, of things I didn't know <laughs> in my brain. Um, and yeah, if we come back to, yes, go ahead. I, maybe one other thing I could add there. There are kind of two dangerous parts of our work. One is the, those human trafficking rescues and the other is here in Vietnam that we in in our work with street kids where we have dealt with people who abuse children and and actually of the two groups they they have proven to be the more dangerous of of the two the human traffickers i think see it kind of as a business now we're a risk to their business um people who abuse children seem to have a or feel that they have a lot more um to to lose And and they can they can be very dangerous. We have definitely had threats from from those guys, um, and and we have to take a lot of care. Uh, the traffickers generally don't really know who we are, uh, but but these abusers they they generally do know all about us. Uh, they they study us very carefully. So that's an interesting thought that that a lot of people don't don't realize. Of course, the traffickers are dangerous, but they're not the most dangerous people that that we come up against. Mm. Yeah, it's so, so, so interesting. I mean, I didn't know anything about it. So uh, for me, it's just uh, so many things that I want to keep mm, exploring. <laughs> um, and yeah, as I mean, you may, you mentioned before, you know, doing all these rescue interventions and all the anti-trafficking uh, work. So you were working in anti-poverty, working with street kids, and you still do. Uh, I think one, I mean, not defining, but something I can see around a bit in the website and many stories is you started actually, I mean, one of the first things you did is by teaching English to street kids. Uh, so I just wonder why did you do that uh, at the time? Yeah, and, oh. and a very simple answer. That was what I could do. It was what I was good at. Um, and, you know, if maybe if I'd been a doctor, maybe I would have been checking their health. If I'd been a chef, Maybe I would have been cooking the meals. It was really a simple response that these kids are on the street and they're they're trying to earn money. What can I do that would enrich their lives? I can teach them some English. Now, of course, um, they need a lot more than English, and and these days we do a lot more than than teaching English. You know, we get the kids back to school. Uh, we help them find jobs. Uh, many have gone on to university. We have more than a hundred young people in university right now, um, so that that was you know English teaching was was our way in to their lives right at the beginning. But again, just as when I was teaching, I very quickly saw English lessons are one part of many that they that they need help with. They needed a home. They they needed to be with their family. They needed to be in school. Um, But I started 
with the with the one thing that I that I was good at. 